Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, thou, and all this people under the land which I give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that have I given unto you, that have I given, past tense, unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even into the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and under the great sea, meaning the Mediterranean, towards the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Thy life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, and I say glory to God right there, be strong and of a good courage. For unto his, this people, for unto this people shalt thou divide for inherit land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee, Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Father, I'm thankful this morning, the privilege of being in this place. Thank you for the songs that were sung by our children. Thank you for Joe and Lanella, for the others that work with them. Thankful, God, for what you're doing in their heart and in their life. Thank you for the parents and the grandparents that bring them, Lord, and Father, give them to our care and, Lord, instruction of the good things from the Word of God about eternity and about salvation. I pray, Lord, that you would bless this Word that you have blessed me with. Open our understandings, God, as we listen to the Word of God, our ears that we may hear, our hearts that we might receive, and our eyes that we might see what you would have us to see and to hear and to understand. I pray, God, if there's anyone discouraged in here, that you'd encourage them. Father, I pray for those, Lord, that have something in their past that, uh, that, uh, that they need to leave behind, that this would be the day that they do. I pray for those, God, that uh, think that they cannot be taken out of their sin and be made new in Christ. May they realize that you've got all power in heaven and in earth. And I pray, God, that we might have a personal new beginning today of whatever sort we need because of who and what you are. We'll praise you. We'll glorify you. Because I ask it in the name of your Son, Jesus, our Savior, all God's people said. 
I think the text is an obvious text for the day and the hour that we live. And I'm going to talk to you, as I told you a few minutes ago, about standing at the threshold. That's where we are right here in just a few hours. That old year, that 365 days ago, was a brand new year. And we're going out of something old into something brand new. No one has ever seen it. God knows about it. No one else. We know that there'll be hills. There'll be valleys. People will have a a beginning. Babies will be born. And people will have a death. They'll come to an end. There will be people that, uh, that, that gain, others that lose. There'll be folks that go up and others that go down. It's going to be mixed with all kinds of things. But I'm going to tell you, I believe the Word of God tells us some things about what we can expect and who we can expect as we think about the new year that's just hours before us. As I began this message this morning, I want to give you a brief background of how the children of Israel got to this place. Long before this, several hundred years, God called a man by the name of Abraham out of Ur, the Chaldees. And he told him, he said, listen, Abraham, if you believe me and obey me, he said, I'll make you a great nation. Through you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, and I'll give you the land, all the land, whereon, every, whereon uh, the sole of your foot shall tread. And God sent him into the land of promise. God sent him into the land of Israel. And let it be known that Israel is not in occupied territory. It is in territory that God granted them with a divine land grant thousands of years ago. It never belonged to the Palestinians. And by the fiat of Almighty God, it never will. It is the nation of Israel, not the state of Palestine. Say amen right there. That's good preaching for am doing. God told Abraham that his people would go into bondage for 400 years. And then they would be brought out. After 400 years, that's exactly what happened. They were in bondage in Egypt, which is a picture, a type, biblically speaking, of the world. Pharaoh is a type of Satan who rules over the system of this world. But I'm telling you what, friend, listen. When it comes time for you to be set free, all you have to do is to obey because God's already done everything that needed to be done to get you out of the world, to get you out of the kingdom of darkness and place you in the kingdom of light if you just simply submit to His plan and say yes to it. You see, it's up to you. At this time, this is the second generation of Jews or Israelites that had come out of Egypt's bondage. At this time, every man, every warrior that was of the age of 20 and above had died in the wilderness. They had come to Kadesh Barnea uh, once before, about 38 years prior to this time that we're looking at in Joshua chapter 1. And after Moses sent, which was a bad idea, after Moses sent 12 spies up into the promised land, it had already been promised to them, and in God's eyes and heart, it had already been given to them. But Moses said, here's what I want you all to do. I want you all to head up in the land, go north 
and east and west and come back across the river and tell us what kind of land it is. Ten of the twelve spies came back and said, well, it is a good land. I mean, to tell you, the fruit is amazing. They even brought back, they even brought back evidence of it. But, they said, but, but, but. Y'all did hear that, don't you? But the land has walled cities in it, and there are giants in the land. But there were two men by the name of Caleb and Joshua and said, now wait just a minute. I, I'm happy. We are well able. Thank God. You know what they were saying? Let us just get over there and get going and take what God has given to us. And because of the ten, I gave the report that they did. The children of Israel began to murmur. God told them what he was going to do. And he was going to judge them. And leave them in the wilderness for 40 years until that first generation of men that came out of Jerusalem said, we can never do it till they died off. So here we are. We're the second time the nation of Israel with a new generation had the opportunity, now listen to this, to get out of the wilderness. You say, what's wilderness depict, preacher? I'll tell you what it depicts. I'll simplify it and then I'll explain a little bit. It simply, uh, it simply describes a place Two things, that you're not supposed to be if you're saved and you don't have to be if you don't want to be. Y'all didn't seem to like that very much. But can I tell you, now listen, I'm going to be honest with you, far too many people after they get saved and start their spiritual journey with Jesus Christ for some reason or another get hung up in the wilderness. They know defeat, they know depression, they, they, they know the enemy, but they never know the victories that they could have, the blessings that await them if they would just simply cross the Jordan, get into the land of promise, a place where there's battles, a place where there's enemies, and a place where God will meet you with the provision that you need to overcome every enemy that you face and I'll show you this in the word of God this morning and today everybody everybody heard me say everybody say amen you're standing on a threshold of something for you personally and whether you admit it in here today I'm going to give an altar call in a little bit Anytime you want to pray, just come and pray. If you already know what your enemy is, if you already know what you would like to leave behind out of your path, you see a threshold. The definition is to enter. It means to cross into. And when you go into something, that means you go away from something and you therefore leave something behind to find something new. You okay? Let's face it. I've already said that. Some of us need to do that. Some of us would benefit by doing that new thing right there. Egypt. They had been delivered out of Egypt. And the promised land, listen now, was the place that God had prepared for them. And promise them. You say, what is? What is the promised land? Well, it's a place where they could come to know God in ways that they had not known Him before. 
How many of y'all already know enough about God to say amen? Don't say anything. How many of you all, then on the other hand, everybody else say amen right here. How many of you all already know that you, like 2 Peter 3.18 says, know that you need or could grow a little more in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, that covers us all. You know what the promised land was? It was a place where they could have many new beginnings, cross many new thresholds by faith as they chose to cross them. Can I tell you all what I believe about us as believers? We, collective, all live under our privileges. I believe there are times as your pastor, I believe there are times I want more for you individually than you want for yourself. There are times, friend, any time we cross over into something uh, new from something old, you know what, it's a challenge. It's scary. It demands new things. I never will forget, I never will forget what a psychiatrist told me one day about a woman. She was a, she was a narcissist. I, I mean, to tell you, she was narcissistic. I mean, she was textbook narcissistic. She looked proper and prim. Everything was in place. Man, I'm telling you what, she was decked out to die. Let's just face it. She came in to see him, and she sat down, and the therapist sat down, the psychiatrist, and he said, how can I help you? What kind of problems do you have? He said she reached into her purse, pulled out some paper. He said it looked like a, a roll of, of registry paper and began to unfold it, and he said it fell out on the floor. He said, I picked that thing up. Dropped it in the, in the waste can. He said she bent over and picked it up, put it in her purse and left. He said, I've never seen her since. Now, I illustrate what I'm going to say with this. Look, friend, you can choose to do what you want. If you're satisfied, you can fall asleep on me right now. I don't have anything to help you with. But if you want to grow in grace, if you want to get closer, if you want to go deeper with Jesus and higher with Jesus than ever before, how about me and you together cross the threshold? Today, I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm not talking about next week. I'm not talking about this evening at 6 o'clock. I'm talking about now. You say, why are you saying it like that for? How many times have we missed God's blessing and will for our life because we've sat under a man's message? God spoke to us clearly, individually, and we said, well, you know what? You're right. I need to do something about it. I will. I'll do that in just a minute when the altar call comes. By the altar, time the altar call comes, the devil's talked us into waiting until tomorrow. Anybody else guilty of that? Y'all chickens, you won't put your hand up, will you? Hey, listen. The promised land was the place where they could face their enemies. Even the giants of Anak. I mean, that man by the name of Caleb, that was what was he at this time. About 100, maybe 120 years old. You know what? He got the hill country. He got the place where the, 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 the giants lived. And you know what he says? He said, let's go get them, boys. Amen. Thank God. Listen, we ought to do all that we can do from here on in for the glory of God and for our good. How many of y'all, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't, how many of y'all got a giant in your land? 
in your mind, in your heart, in your life. Not your land, but in, in your life. I'll tell you what, he looks foreboding, but I've read about a man to the name of David that took a sling and a stone because he had faith and trust in God Almighty and whooped up on him really quick. Amen. But it was a place where they could face their giants. And here's what I like, get complete victory over all of them. You ever have a besetting sin? It keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. You ever have an addiction? You ever have trouble with lust? You ever have trouble with anything, any temptation that keeps recurring, coming back, and aggravating the life out of you? How many of you believe we can get victory over them? If you do, say amen. There are times we fall prey to the devil when God has given us all that we need to get victory over every enemy that comes against us. But we can't roll over and just keep laying. We've got to be proactive. We've got to be active. We have got to make decisions and do things to make that come to pass. Now listen, although... Although, and you know what all those, y'all know what all those enemies are, by the way? And this is how I thought I'd preach when I first started thinking about this message. All the enemies that we'll face are represented in three places that we learn about early on in the book of Joshua. They're Jericho, which stands for the world. There is A-I or I. However you want to pronounce it is right. I'll keep on pronouncing it as A-I. You remember that little place that didn't, didn't seem like it needed many of those soldiers to go up and whoop them and, and just they sent a few and those soldiers got whipped up on and they came back to Joshua with their tail between their legs and weeping and crying. That's representing to the flesh. Don't ever underestimate the flesh. Trust me when I tell you this. When he seems like he's leaving you alone and you think that he has died, he'll never die. We'll die before the old man dies. We're to die to him. We're to die, not him. We're to reckon ourselves dead. But every time you think he's dead, let me tell you what he'll do. He'll prove that you're wrong. He'll prove to you that where he's been, when he's been out of your way, like I've told you before, is in the gym working out. And he'll show up again. And then the Gibeonites, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Listen, we're living in a day of deception. One of the great marks of the last days will be deceivers that are deceived and deceiving. We're there, and that's, the, that's all the enemies we face, the world, the flesh, and the devil. God has given us something, friend, whereby we can get victory over all of them. Although, listen, in the wilderness, the children of Israel are out of Egypt. Here's the problem. The Egypt wasn't out of them. That's where we have our trouble a lot of time. Time. God brought them out. Why did God bring them out? Anybody want to say out loud? In order to bring them in. It wasn't his intention to leave them in the wilderness. To get from Egypt into the promised land, they had to go through a wilderness of some kind. You look at the map. It, 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 unless they got in boats and went up the coast, that that wasn't God's plan for them. They had to go through a wilderness. But listen, a wilderness is not where God wants His children to permanently be. 
He wants to get us in the place, a promise, a place of bounty, a place of blessing. And God brought them out to bring them in to that kind of a place. I already told you that there have been times in my life, sad to say, that I've been in the wilderness. Been in there too long. Been depressed. Felt like I would die. Talk about discouraged. Talking about wanting to turn back. Talking about wanting to give up. But oh, thank God that's when the Holy Spirit will say, Hey, son, you remember what Peter said when Jesus, when Jesus asked him after a whole multitude left him, after he said, Except you eat of my blood or drink my blood and eat of my flesh, you have no part with you. Jesus turned around and looked at him because the exodus of those throngs of people that had followed him left him. He looked at his apostles and said, Will thou go away also? Peter spoke up, I love Peter. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Hey, I may look back, unfortunately, on, on occasion. I may sit down on occasion, unfortunately. But there's only one way to go and one reason to live. That's for Jesus, without a doubt. So let me ask you a couple of things. Do you need or want victory over an enemy? As I've already said, do you need to get closer to the Lord? Are you wanting more of Christ? Or really, it's better to ask, do you want Christ to have more than you? Let me testify again. I remember a time when foolishly, I didn't want God in all of my heart. Meaning, giving him free access to every part of it. Now, I know you all have never had that problem. I know to the Holy Spirit and to the Word of God, you're an open book. It took me a little time to get there. I'm shameful of it, but I was growing. I mean, you remember that song, don't you, that... Uh, that, that was real popular back in the 70s or 80s or in the 90s. There's a place in my heart that even I don't go. You remember that? Well, can I tell you what? It's better when you just open yourself up and say, All right, Lord, you can look anywhere that you want. And you can tell me what you find, and then you and I can work on it together. I mean, there was a psalmist, and I wish I could get this all together. He said, Search and try me and there be any wicked way in me. God didn't want to do that to hurt us, to beat us down, but to deliver us so that he can bless us and bring us up a little bit closer. So do you. Do you have a place in your heart? Are you wanting Christ to have more of you? Hey, listen, is the Lord calling you to something that's bigger than you? Listen to this, that you can't do. People say he won't do that, say he will. You know what he does it for? So that you and him can do it together. So that you can trust in him. None of us can live the Christian life without, uh, without the indwelling Holy Spirit, without the indwelling Christ himself. Steve Arden had a transplant 16 years ago. I had one April the 23rd, 1974. Y'all get that in a minute. Okay. You see, the only way to live a Christian life 
is to have Christ in your heart so that He can live it out of us. He will call us to things that are bigger than us and greater than us. Listen, friend, if He's calling you to something, it's time to step through, step across the threshold. Well, look, I believe as we look at this Scripture really, really quickly, I believe that there are three things that just kind of jump off the page that enable us to do this. The first one is, there are three things that He has given us in here. The first one is His Word. This one I'm going to tell you, and I've never been more serious than anything I've said from the pulpit, and I'm always serious when I'm in the pulpit. We need, we need to have a good foundation of the Word of God under us. If you agree with that, say amen. I've never seen a day in my almost 50 years of of being a Christian, 46 plus of preaching the gospel, that there is a greater need to have a knowledge of the Word of God. It wasn't by accident. God put it on my heart years ago before I come to Roxalana to challenge people to read the Word of God through. Listen to me, especially you young ones. You'll not get good doctrine on TikTok. You'll not get good sound Bible teaching on TikTok. I've never been on the site. I've heard enough about it to know I don't want to go there. I think it's dangerous. Y'all may not like this, but I'm going to say it. If I had kids, I wouldn't let them get on TikTok. I, I, just, th- I just think there's some covert in it that, that time will take before we can understand how bad it is. Newsflash, everything you read on the internet ain't true. You see, we need a filter. And that's where, see, I'm getting off, but that's where a lot of this comes in off the internet. Kids at an early age don't have a filter. Listen, let me say it again. God gave Joshua his word. Now, what's the big about that? This changes everything. Up to this point, God had talked to them through dreams like he gave to Joseph, to visions, and, and to other things like that. But right here, after Moses died, after Moses penned the first five books of the Bible, the Torah to the Hebrews, the Pentateuch to you and I, he gave to Joshua the written word of God as his rule of faith and practice. Listen to what he said in verse 8. Let me give verse 7. I want to be thou strong, very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from the right hand to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Do you see what come before prospering? Getting in the book. Believing the book. Obeying the book. Living the book. And then the prosperity comes. Do you all get that? If you do, say amen. I know if I got it, you'd get it. Look at what he said in verse 8. This book, God's Word. Man, I'm telling you, people so mixed up on what the Word of God is and isn't that it's flat out amazing to me. I don't have time to preach some of my Bible convictions. I don't think people necessarily would be 
lost because they don't use a King James Bible. And let me tell you what I do believe with all of the strength that I can say it in. I believe they live under a, a strong disadvantage. Never seen a book like a KJV. Never seen a book with the power that it has. I've read hundreds and even thousands of books in my life. But I keep coming back to one. Keep returning. Going, and listen to me, there has got to be an authority. Everybody can't be right. I'll say it stronger. Everybody isn't right. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, did y'all get that? For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. In order to be victorious, in order to cross the threshold that is before us and get the victory over all the enemies that we'll face in the year, we must start with a good knowledge of the Word of God that comes out of us in obedience to the Word of God. Point number two. I'm willing this thing down. Not only did He give us His Word, but He gave us His promises. Look at what He said in verse 2. And I'm, I, I'm going to read these intensely. They're going to be redundant, but I'm going to read them for a purpose. Look at verse 2, the latter part of it. He said, unto the land which I do give to them. Verse 3, that have I given unto you. And by the way, that's past tense. In God's mind, when he gave it to Abraham, he gave it to all of his descendants. In God's mind, it was already theirs. It was a done deal. That's what got the children of Israel in trouble when they came to Kadesh Barnea the first time. They didn't believe God. They doubted. Instead of going in by faith, they walked by sight. Twelve men went in and looked at the land. And instead of seeing beyond the giants to a God that's bigger than the giants, they stopped. Can I tell you, listen now, if you don't have a biblical worldview, Start working on it today. You say, what's that mean? Really quickly, don't look at the world through social uh, ideology. Look at the world through the Bible's theology. Okay? That may be the best thing I'll tell you all, all day. Look at verse 6, the latter part. I swear unto their fathers to give them, speaking of the land. Look, if you will, in verse in verse. Oh, that was 6, not 7, by the way, latter part of verse 6. In verse 11, he said in the latter part, he said to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth to you to possess it. See, God, in God's eyes, it's already there. All they had to do is go get it. God had reached it out. God had held it out. God said, it's yours. Go get it. Let me ask you all something. Don't laugh at how poor I am. Here it is. There you go. 
smart man. How come the rest of you didn't get up and start? Did you not think I'd give it? Hey, what if God said you can have a million dollars? What would you do? Would you believe him? Man, I'll tell you what, you let him call me up and I'll say, I'll be right there, dude. I'll be right there. Somebody said, man, I hate paying taxes. I'd love to pay taxes on a million dollars. Would never complain. Y'all hear me? Y'all are getting this, right? It's ours. We're standing on a threshold. What are we going to do about it? Now, look, I know we're going to go into a new year unless you drop dead anyway. That's not what this message is about. Message goes a little bit deeper than that, a little bit more spiritual than that. Let's see where it is two more times in here. I want you to get the message. God, in verse 13, the last part, God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Look at verse 15 in the middle of it, the land. And they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. He has given us His word. He has given us His promises. You say, what are some of them? Look in verse 5, if you will. He said, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses. So will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. God gave them a promise to defeat the enemy. All of them. Look at verse 10 of chapter 3. I've got Bible for it. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you. Somebody count these nations as I read them and then tell me in a moment how many there is. I already know, but I want you to pay attention. And that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites. The Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. How many? What's the number of seven? The number of completion. He wants us to know victory. If you believe that, say amen. We don't need to sit in the shadows. Our God is a mighty God. His promises, what else does He give us? He said in the book of 1 Kings 8 and 56, I believe it is, there's not one word uh, that's failed of His promises that He had given to us. He said in the book of Matthew 20, 28, Lo, I am with you always, not sometime, but always, even to the end of the world. He said, where's it at? Where is it at? Over in the book of Hebrews chapter 15, He said, He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He said in the book of 2 Corinthians 12, 8 or 9, my grace is sufficient for thee. So we got his word. We've got his promises. And then finally, and quickly, we got his presence. How many of you are thankful for the presence of God? Doesn't he make a difference when he's here? Doesn't he make a difference when he shows up at, at your house when in the middle of the night you're frightened, you're praying, and 
just like he just puts his big arms around you or you're having your devotion and all of a sudden something just leaps off the word of God and it captivates you. You go to reading a little bit and running reference and before you know it, two hours has gone by and you look up and say, oh my word. There's nothing, nothing like the presence of Almighty God. So let me ask you something. How important is it for us to have the presence of God when we're facing the enemy, when we're going into a new land, when we're crossing the threshold, when we're stepping out of an old into the new, when, when, when we leave something behind to find something brand new, listen, rest assured, there's no place you can go and not find God there. No place. No place whatsoever. Let me tell you this, and when I get done, Judy, you come. Back when the children of Israel were early out of the bondage that they had been under for 400 plus years, they were out in the wilderness. They hadn't even been gone very long if they'd been gone. I can't remember right now from Sinai. Chapter 32, chapter 33, men, listen, they had messed up. They had sinned. They were still at Sinai. They had sinned big time. Moses up in the mountain and Aaron to build a calf. <coughs> Excuse me. And Well, they had they'd just committed idolatry. Lewd stuff in that camp. Redeemed people. I said redeemed people. We can do some awful things as Christians. Y'all do know that, don't you? Unfortunately. But you know what God said? God judged them. He said, now here's what I'm going to do, Moses. He said, I'll tell you what. I still want y'all to go up in the land of promise. He said, but I'm not going with you. He said, I'll send my angel before you. He'll get you there. He knows the way. I've done giving him instructions, but I'm not going with you lest I consume you. God was upset with him. You know what Moses said later in the next chapter? He said, now look, look, Lord, here's the deal. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. Matter of fact, this is T.K. Price version of Exodus. I want what you've got for us, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not interested in going if you don't go. Angel would be fine to have, but here's the deal. You made the promise, and without you fulfilling it, I'm not interested in it. Hey, listen, I'm glad. We don't have to go anywhere, face any enemy, fight any battle alone. I love the song that says, I'm never alone. No, never alone. My Jesus is with me wherever I roam. Can't remember the rest of it, but he'll hold to my hand, and I'm, I'm glad. Come on, Judy. Allow me to close with this. If you read on in the book of Joshua, in chapter 5, you'll find the children of Israel had crossed the Jordan by this time. They had camped at a place called Gilgal. And they were just, I don't know if there was even a day ahead before them going against the biggest city, no doubt, in the promised land, the city of Jericho. One of the oldest in the world. It's formidable. The size of its walls and just the force that it was, the king who ruled it, just so much about it. It, it was just, it was taunting, to say the least, challenging. Scary in many, many ways. 
But God had already taken care of taking care of them. And Joshua was down by, down by Jericho looking things over. And while he was, he went down there by himself. Y'all ready for this? But he found out he wasn't alone. He was out there strolling and meditating and thinking. And all of a sudden, <coughs> excuse me, he looked around and saw a man coming with his sword by his side. You know what I believe old Joshua did? I believe he turned to him and started heading straight for him. And he asked him one question. He said, all I need to know, do you be for us or against us? The Bible says that this individual said, I am the captain of the Lord's host. Something like that. I'm going to paraphrase that. Joshua said, are you for us or are you against us? And I believe this, this individual, this captain of the Lord's army, was none other than a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ himself. Meaning that he appeared as a man in the Old Testament before he became incarnate as God manifest in the flesh in the new. And he said this to Joshua, in essence, I'm not here to take sides, I'm here to take over. Man, I love that. I don't know how I got that, but I love it. That's what I'm for. So just a few moments of time, with every head bowed but Judy's.